Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. We host real conversations with real experts from around the world. Away from the filtered bubble of social media, our aim is to educate listeners and explore any topic in the cosmetic and wellness space. We also get a unique insight into the business minds of the entrepreneurs and pioneers who have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general information about procedures and products. You should seek professional medical advice and assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Grisina Fetchner, better known as Grizz. Grizz is a professional media-trained presenter and media expert with a successful history in sales, learning and development, and management roles. Grizz has made a living out of her ability to get her message across, from her own TV show, appearances on Channel 7, and advertising through to corporate sales and training positions. She's a dynamic and engaging presenter who is highly sought after. We're recording. You guys are singing the, the Ever, theme song. No matter where you are, <laughs> you're my guiding star. <laughs> oh, Sorry, guys. Yeah, Thank we, you. We were just reminiscing on Neighbours. We were talking about Home and Away. That was. Oh, Home and Away. Oh, Home and Away. Yeah, that was. What was the Charlene song on Neighbours with Scott? Oh, Remember there a they song? did that duet and it became number one for years. No way. And we'll be together forever. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was probably about eight or something. Thank goodness you don't have me on for singing. (laughs) And I don't claim anywhere in my bio that I can sing because I really can't. (laughs) I'd like to learn. So I've been singing teachers out there. Yeah. Just just to, uh, um, Gosh. what's the word? Uh, ground everyone. We're here with Grizz again. Yes. Hi. Welcome back Sorry, to me. Sorry, we've gone off piste and <laughs> yeah. we've been having too many cookies. We and ate too many cookies. Sugar as in high. normal cookies, not, mm. not dodgy cookies. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Grizz, thank you for coming back for episode two. We've, thank you for uh, having me. We've done the home and away stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, in your first episode, we were talking about sort of general communication principles yeah. and, and, and the background to your company. Mm. Now, let's get into how we communicate, I guess, within the clinical and maybe even aesthetic space. Yeah. Now, did, I mean, do you have any formal training in this or is this just like a niche thing that your company does? Yeah, so I have um, formal training in communication, obviously, and sales and patient-centric communication. More so, I've worked with a number of companies over 20 years in the aesthetic space. Yeah. Uh, I spend my life on keynote stages talking in this space and talking to doctors and clinic owners on how to ensure that any patient interaction is one that has them as a raving fan of yours, but more so they feel comfortable and want to come back time and time again and they trust you. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had a number of injectors and clinicians on here and we've all kind of come to this same point that yes you can learn to inject or operate that's Mm. kind of the basic but you need that x factor you absolutely do so what is that x factor yeah so the x factor is again personalizing every patient interaction to the person that you've got in front of you so it's no scripts and i'm really adamant about not teaching people to communicate using scripts because scripts mean there's not a real personal engagement i'll ask this question you'll give me that answer i'll ask you the next question you'll give me the next answer you should ask a question listen to the answer and then formulate your next question from that so the uniqueness of you all have similar products so your differentiator is the people in your business in your clinics and in your practice finding the right people that understand how to communicate effectively and then you as leaders showing them how to do it by you demonstrating so when you walk out to greet one of your clients or your patients that you greet them using a name that you make them feel warm and welcome and calm and comfortable and you trust and that credentialing even on the phone when someone rings your clinic 
you've got to shout yourselves from the rooftop because they will hang up and they will ring another clinic and that clinic will shout themselves on the rooftop and they'll go, I need to go here because their doctors are really good and they've got really good results and they've directed me to some really good website information. Mm. If you just answer the phone and try and take an appointment, you will have a hang up rate and no appointment success. What you need to do is that first interaction. And as I said in that last podcast, 15 to 30 seconds is all you've got for someone to decide if they want to listen to you or not. So when someone picks up that phone and chooses to ring your clinic, you've got to have a really good person on the other end of the phone, having them so convinced that they cannot wait to get in to see you. And that's all about their passion and that conviction and the right language in that phone interaction. Then once they get to you, that's another whole start point. You've got to make them feel warm and welcome and engaged and cared for and looked after and listen to them and understand their different behaviour styles. Some of your patients want data, Others just want you to talk about them. Others want you to say, make me look beautiful. You know, Mm. they'll use language and you've got to respond to that language and then use it back to them effectively. And once you're talking on the same space, they feel at home and people won't want to leave you because they felt good in your space. And that's what we want to get you to as clinic owners. Mm. And how do you identify what people want to hear? Or what people need to hear? Yeah. So it's even when they first walk in, are they fast paced? Or are they measured pace? So do they walk in and are they like, oh my gosh, I'm here and I'm so excited and I'm really chilled. Are they walking in really nervous? Now, straight away, that will change the way you treat them to know how to then move the consultation process forward. If they're nervous, the first thing you do is you need to calm them down Mm. and you need to not have needles out on your, you know, (laughs) desktop. You need to think about that because that's a scary thought. The people that are walking in going, oh my God, I can't wait to see you today because you're going to make me beautiful. You're going to say, you're damn right we are. We are going to make you beautiful. And that's what, so it's picking up on their language and their body language. So reading body language is critical because as we've said so often, people will often not say what you need to hear. It will all come through on their facial expressions. Are they nervous? Are they scared? Are they angry because they've been kept waiting for half an hour because you guys are running late? You know, whatever that is. If you are running late, at what point do you let the patient know? As soon as they walk in or do you leave them sitting there for half an hour and then you tell them? Do you let the, ring them beforehand and say, look, Dr. Jake's David's running a bit late. Do you want to go and grab that coffee? Do any emails in the car? We'll reschedule your appointment for 15 minutes in time so that we're not wasting your time. Like we need to focus on every individual Mm. and understanding that is, are they frustrated? Are they cranky? And looking at them in the waiting room, are they jittery? Are they nervous? Then it's for your team to tell whoever is injecting or the nurse that something's going on with them out there so the nurse can calm them, can give them a cup of tea. All of that stuff is really, really important before they even get to you for any interaction. Mm. Well, it's interesting, reflecting on what we were saying in the first podcast mm. about, you know, we've become so tech savvy, email savvy, whereas everything social media, you're not getting any of those uh, body cues or, or any of that sort of physical dynamics. Yeah, there's no nuance to communication. It's just, And so that's yeah. why a lot of communication sort of breaks down or, yeah. or you know, if you try and engage clients just through text, sometimes you can really, uh, you know, inadvertently piss them off because okay. you, you've just said something that was out of context. Absolutely. Or, you know, a winky face can mean <laughs> I'm not serious or I'm happy and, yeah. and you, you just don't know anymore. No. Or it, I'm flirting with you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And we we talk a lot about that, which is why we want to get your clients into you, which is that phone interaction is so critical. If you can get someone into your clinic, they can feel your environment. They understand your world. You understand there's, it's, it's like when someone tries on clothing, you know, if you can get the person to try on the outfit, 
they're normally likely to bite because they start identifying with it and they own it. Mm. If we can get your patients into a clinic to at least see you for a consult, they're going to feel it, they're going to see it, yeah. they're going to look at it and they're going to want to want to achieve it with you. So it's getting them in. Uh, and it's a really good point you make with the whole texting and misinterpretation of message. But even misinterpretation of message with language, if you say as an injector, this might be a good option for you. This might be a good option for you, or um, I'm. This may sound silly, but we are. We call that diminishing language. And if you say I'm sorry, but everything before the but is BS. I won't swear. Uh, I'm sorry. Swear. For, can I? Everything yeah, before the but is bullshit. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. Full stop is genuine. I'm sorry that we are running 15 minutes late. Not I'm sorry, but this client was late before you, and that. I don't care about that. Yeah. I just care about the I'm sorry. So stop at the I'm sorry. Full stop. This is what we're going to do to fix it. So diminishing language. Um, I work in a lot of the audiology space, so hearing care. And we had a lady the other day and she came and she was purchasing $10,000 hearing aids, right? Uh, she had a graduate who was an audiologist. Now she was a brilliant consultant, amazing, gave her the right hearing aids. The person rang and they said, before I purchase these hearing aids, can I have a second opinion? I was like, absolutely, of course you can. Can I ask why? What happened to make you want a second opinion? He said, oh, well, she was young and she said, I think these might be good for you. I think these might. Now, she knew damn well that that was the right hearing aid for this particular person's lifestyle. Mm. She knew 100%. She'd done the hearing test aid. She'd gone through the testing. Her language, though, suggested that the guy felt unconfident with her diagnosis. Yeah. I think this might be good for you as opposed to from these clinical results that we've seen, from understanding that you want to go to the pub and yell at the footy on a Friday night and hear what the commentators are saying during the footy game, these are the best fearing aids for what you want. Now, that just slight tweak in language, this might be okay and I think I would go for this version, has made him second guess. So as clinicians, we need to be really confident in what we're saying with the language that we use to have someone feel confidence that you know what you're doing with us. So I think that's a really important bit too. Well, if if you're not sure, then how are they going to be sure? 100%, David. So again, be really confident and own it. If that's what you think is best for what you've said to me, we've looked in the mirror, you've looked at what you want aesthetic, this is what you're asking for. Now, I know for me, as a prime example, when the TV cameras are on, I have this line down here and it makes me really sad and I can't get rid of it and it just is what it is when I smile. I went to my injector and I was like, oh, can you just fix that? And she's like, it's a tendon, Grizz. We can't cut you down. (laughs) Just do something. And and I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but if someone could sit there and say, oh, we could do this or we could do that, as opposed to just saying we can't. Now, maybe you can't, but I'd love an option. So you guys have to remind yourselves that we as patients and clients, we don't know what we don't know in this space. Now, I've been in it for 20 years and there's stuff I absolutely don't know. I don't know what you can do to get rid of this line for me. And goodness me, after this, you need to help me. You need to sort Jake's me out. Jake's looking at going, hmm. Mm, yeah, Jake's like, well, because we could do a lot of other stuff as well. Don't worry about the line. There's a lot of other things. And I think that's another thing is Jake looks at me. When you ask me the question of what do I see in the mirror and what do I want to fix, I think I know. But the client and the customer doesn't always know. The patient doesn't know. Sometimes they think they do, though. Hundred percent. And I mean, in a healthcare space, there's another really, there's a million good examples I could give you. But the client or the customer goes, "I want this as comparable," but it's not actually what they want. So the more you question me, and the more you influence me, and influence in the right way, I don't expect you to change your business practices and go in and try and get someone to spend three thousand dollars if they need a treatment of an anti-wrinkle. Yeah. But what I'm asking you to consider is if I come in in front of you, I want you to give me options so I can then make a really informed choice Mm, because without options, I can't. And a lot of nurses are really scared because they think it's selling, 
but we come to you because you are the experts in this field and we yep. want to know what we don't know about us. Mm. So don't underestimate the importance of giving us choice. Yeah. yeah. I have a, um, a question that I think will resonate with a lot of injectors, even though I'm not one, but I've heard enough of these conversations yeah. to know that you'll get patients that come in and mm. they've educated themselves to a certain degree and they'll go, I want 40 well, on units. On the internet. I want, I want 40 <laughs> units. Or my friend had 40 units. I yeah. want – they – tell the injector they what they want. Mm. So how does an injector combat that in a polite way without getting into a combative sort of situation with the patient where you're almost saying, look, I hear what you're saying, yeah. but I'm the expert. Yes. Yeah. Do, like, you know, yeah, Jake uses the analogy, you don't tell a, uh, you know, you might tell your chef you want it medium or red, but you don't yes. stand over him and say, you know, cook for seven minutes on this <laughs> side. Like that's not the way it Good works. analogy. Yeah. So how, how do they combat yeah. that? Yeah. So what we use is when we're talking about managing someone's concerns or their perspectives, I hate to say handling objections or, you know, people telling them they're wrong. So we use what we call an ACT model, which is A for acknowledge, C for clarify with further questions and T for talk and tell. So A for acknowledge, C for clarify for good questions, C for talk and tell. So first of all, Grizz, I love the fact, so positive reinforcement, love the fact that you are well vested in what's happening today and that 40 units, you're using my lingo and you speak. So you give someone really positive light so that they think they've come in with some knowledge because that reinforces that, oh my gosh, I'm not sitting here blinded to everything. So well done you, 40 <laughs> units. Tap on the head. Tap on the head. Now high when five. you say, high five you, go high you, let's <laughs> Do that, do that. And I'll be like, yes, go me. I'm all well-versed in this arena. So then say to them, what's really great is you've done that. And then the next thing is that clarify, which is clarify and ask further questions. So when you talk to me about your friend having 40 units, there's a number of different products that we can use in this space today. So that 40 units, do you know what particular product? So start asking questions. And when you start asking questions, they'll be like, oh, no, I just know it's 40. They'll start then going, oh, far out. I actually said 40 units. But you're now giving them some more knowledge saying that's really good that you know 40 units, but with the different products, the units are dosed differently. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking, we've looked in the mirror now, Grease, and we've looked at that you, you frown and your forehead needs some doing, and you've looked at your uh, little um, crow's feet. Crow's feet. Thank you. I'm using the right terminology here. <laughs> crow's feet. Your friend may have just had 40 units in her frown. And we want to address you. You've said, I'm really not comfortable with these crow's feet. So for that particular you, we want to make it about you. And this is your face that we're talking about today. So let's have a look when we talk about units and I'll let you know what I believe the units we need to achieve to achieve that. And a really important part, clinicians out there, injectors out there, please set really clear expectations. If they come in and they've only got budget for one mil in their lips and you know that's not going to achieve the photo they're showing you because they need two or three mils, you need to be really open and honest because they will leave with one mil and a budget that's gone and then be really cranky with you. And I get this all the time. People say, you know, I came into the clinic. I told them I had a budget of 700 bucks. They said, we can do a meal. I showed them the photo. The nurse went, okay, no worries. They then leave with no money, lips that they're not happy with, and then they're going to talk about That's it and put it on social media. such a poor transaction, isn't it? Like from start really to finish, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. So you need to be honest and open and say, with your budget, let's have a plan. You know, we do plans all the time of what we can get you to achieve. We can work into your budgets. We can work into what's really important at this moment. Getting the best bang for your buck early on, if you've got a new patient in front of you, probably the biggest advice I could give is what can you do that's minimal that's going to give them a really good value yeah. that they can see change and they walk out being happy. I mean, we know that they walk out after anti-wrinkle and go, I still can see the wrinkles. <laughs> well, we need to explain to them it's going to take between three to seven days to actually have impact. So I love that. the way you know the actual clinical uh, data. It's great. <laughs> it's true 
though. It makes me cranky and people leave. And when we and we talk about people, we say, you know, if you've had some filler, don't exercise for 24 hours. Now they think that might mean don't run a marathon and then they go and do something else. And then they, you know, sit and have a massage on their face 10 minutes after they've just left you. And yeah. they wonder why there's this crater now from the, you know, massaging. All of that stuff is so imperative. And I think if we set expectations up and we give them the right care and the right communication around that space, they're not going to come back and bag you on Facebook and social media. Yeah. They're going to be really open and honest and trust you. And that's where you get that value of trust. And they're never going to want to leave you. They'll come back time and time again. Now, you said something interesting also mm. in the first podcast about people only retain tiny bits of information. Oh, so do. do you think as clinicians, we should be giving people multiple sources of information like written, verbal, text, email, like just blossom with all this emojis. stuff so they can't yeah, come emojis. back and say, you didn't tell me. Yeah, there goes that wink emoji. <laughs> Or, or is that overkill and, and uh, sort of... Yeah, I think, well, because you're dealing with different learning styles and you don't know which learning style you've got, people will respond in a way that suits them. So I think the more you've got to offer, when you're having the consult though, we talk about the rule of three. People can't remember, so the forgetting curve, and now I'm adding on another layer to you guys with the rule of three. Slip, slop, slap. Stop, drop, roll in a fire. Stop, look, listen at a curb. Nike, just do it. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Captain Snooze, silly night sleep. <laughs> Triple O, zero, 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 uh, nine, one, one. We then add slip, stop, slap, and we added a rap one year, and we drop it, dropped it off because we couldn't remember the rap. Winston Churchill's speech, blood, sweat, So basically, and I need a rap for my aftercare. You basically need rule of three. You need three bits of information. What are the three bits of information they must know from aftercare? If you tell them 20 bits, they'll remember none of it. So you need to get really savvy of going, if my patient or customer walks away or client walks away three bits, what are the three bits? Drink water for 24 hours. Make sure you keep hydrated, especially if you – what is it, the three bits? Because that's the bit that they're going to remember. Otherwise, they're going to ring you and say, well, I didn't do this and I did go for it. And I flew, you know, overseas the next day after having filler and we know that you shouldn't be flying overseas the next yeah. day. So when you say to someone, they say you've got to fly, where are you flying to? Oh, Queensland, okay, if you're flying overseas – do not come if you need – we need about a two-week window. So all of that stuff is really important stuff, but that gets mixed in with all your other messaging and then they don't even know where they're looking, so they look at nothing. I've got it. Don't touch. Mm-hmm. Don't run. Yeah. Don't drink. Got it. There you go. There's your, don't touch, don't run, don't drink. What are. about don't fly? No, that's for filler. That's I'm talking, for filler. About, uh, I'm talking okay. about anti-wrinkle. Anti-wrinkle. Right. What if you're doing both? Well, yeah. then uh, I need to add on a few. Yeah, so, but then you <laughs> can do say, dance, but, you know, <laughs> no, but then we do our pillars of three. So for your filler, here are your three things. And then give them your aftercare kit with pamphlet and underline a bit. Um, for someone like me, I don't like lots of words, but if someone underlines or highlights something that's really important, that's my rule of, th- I'll look at that and go, there's my three highlighted bits. Perfect, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. So the rule of three is really, really critical. And you can say, but Chris, I've got to tell them everything. And knock yourself out, tell them everything and they'll remember nothing yeah. or be really concise with your messaging and go, these are the three bits of information. We uh, had an injector on from America called Dr. David Mabry and he mm. had this awesome thing called Filler 101. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it in his accent, Filler 101. Oh, can we do the rest of the podcast like <laughs> yeah. that? Because I've never done yeah. an American podcast before. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he trains all of his staff, whether it's the receptionists, the nurses, yeah. the physician's assistants, anyone in that business mm. to be able to do this spiel. Yeah. And anyone coming in vaguely interested in filler even just a new consult Mm. they would sit them down for 10 minutes and they would do the same thing every single time and so anyone in that clinic would know filler 101 yeah I thought that 
was really cool. And I think they've got uh, a little practical bit where they get some real filler and they squirt it on <gasps> yes! their hands and they play yes! with it. Get and them doing that's really that. engaging. It's so engaging. And for those kinesthetic learners. As well as expensive. And also. Uh, um, <laughs> can you have placebo filler? Well, can we I just use blue tack? Not blue tack. If you're just using it for the purposes of a demonstration, you don't actually need that much. No, no. but. Yeah. It's still. still yeah. Anyway, but but yeah. besides the point, I thought it was great. Yeah, and then he would dissolve it in front of people so they could see the safety if they don't like it, if there's an issue that can be dissolved. See, that's cool. And yeah. that's what we should be getting to. Yeah. Uh, and especially, again, going back to your different learners, if yeah. people are that way inclined, and you'll work out your learners really quickly. So your learners that want a lot of information will come in with their website searches and they'll come in having printed off information and come in with all of their brochures. They're going to need a longer consult because they've read the information. They want to get clarity from you and they'll have lots of questions written down. Yeah. The people that come in later, the ones that are like, just fix me up. Don't worry about any consult. Just jab me wherever you need and you'll have those ones as well because they're time poor but they want to look pre- – you'll get the – and this is probably a really good one again for clinic owners. You'll have those impulsive buyers. They'll be walking in the supermarket mm. and go – think I'd like a pair of breasts today. I'm just going to ring the breast surgeon and see if I can book in for some, you know, without <laughs> even considering. Or I need fill. And I am one of these that if I see lots of wrinkles and me being busy, I get to the point and I'm thinking, oh, I'm on TV tomorrow. I need some anti-wrinkle. Oh, my goodness, that's not going to work, even if I get it done today. And then I ring someone and it's like, oh. Uh, so I need to be better at that. But if we set expectations again of saying any events, if you're getting, your daughter's getting married soon, we're going to book these appointments. So you're helping them along the process to yeah. get what they need, got to get the result they need when they need it by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So in terms of the consultation process yeah. itself, so you've mm. spoken about match and mirroring. So yes. when we talk about matching someone's body language, maybe the tonality, language Absolutely. use, speed of, of how they deliver yes. that that yeah. content, um, being generally interested in them. Yes. Um, education. Absolutely. Acknowledging. 100%. And then we've spoken about how we deal with these patients around expectation setting. Yes. But what about the actual consultation process itself? What 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 would that look like for yeah, you in an so ideal world? Yeah, so that would look like would, uh, obviously making them feel comfortable. Now, if you know that they are time poor, they might not want a really long consult. They mightn't want to talk about their kids. They might want to hear about you what you had for dinner last night. So, again, the consult should be the greeting, the hi, hello, Letting them know what's going to happen in that process. So today, it's my first time of meeting you. All Grizz, welcome back. Last time we did 40 units that you requested. As I said to you, we might need to increase that a bit more depending on how that felt. How did it feel? So you'll start off on a previous call interaction, what we call it. So previous consult interaction, look at your notes and that's your start point for the next interaction. So you're building and layering. So you're building and layering on. How did it go? How did you feel? What's changed? Tell me a bit about the treatment because the minute they are positively affirmating themselves about the treatment, they're excited to hear about what next you're going to do to build on that. If they're not talking about it back to you, it's just like, well, here's the next bit. But the minute someone's talking about it in their world, they want to know what's next because it excites them uh, and makes them feel great. So part of the consult is what happened last time? This is what we're going to do this time. Any questions from last time? What are your thoughts? And then you literally say, look in the mirror again. As we said, your plan, get the plan out. This is the next part of the build. So it's informing them along the way, but also making it really conversational. You don't want it. They don't, they see enough doctors. People are sick enough as it is. They want to come to you to feel good, not to feel like they're in a surgery. Mm. So being mindful that even though we want it to look really smart and really clean and really lined appropriately, that they're not here because they're sick. They're here because they're doing amazing things to either make them feel great or they've just come through cancer and they're feeling a bit tight. Whatever the case may be, acknowledging that this is a space that we can live their dreams out. Would it be a good idea um, to potentially 
during your initial meet and greet with this mm. person, say they're coming back for a subsequent visit, yeah. that you actually maybe make a note of, say, one, two, three things about them, about their life, something so they mentioned, so and critical. then actually talking to them about that when you see them again because it makes them feel like you've listened, you care. Is that something that you would recommend people is, do? That is a not negotiable. Okay. So that is an absolute that – we call that personal ties in communication. So, uh, you know, with Jake today, I haven't met him, but I've grown up knowing his kids from Instagram. And the first thing I thought was, God, his son's now nine months old. And I said, how is it going? You've got now a three and a nine-month-old. Oh, grizz the sleep patterns. You know, it's a really nice way to commonly have common ground. And yeah. that, again, talks to make me feel important, which is reading that sign. And when I come in, Jake, how are the kids going? You know, next time I see you, David, what cereal are we buying this week? What did you eat for breakfast? Because <laughs> that's my first introduction is I'm eating my cereal before we start this podcast. So they're little quirky things. But they're really they're the most important part of the interaction is that first bit to have people identify on the and and it builds the layers and the trust and the walls come down and you're having a conversation. Uh, the uh, other thing is smiling. Smiling yeah. the world smiles with you. You know when you greet somebody, smile with your tone, smile with your open body language. I'm not asking you to smile like you know people say grizz, but you smile a lot. Now you don't need to have a clown carnival smile to be <laughs> genuine, but just that smile. Eye contact is part of smiling. Yeah. So doing all of that in the initial part of the consult when you're greeting them back or for the first time is an absolute non-negotiable. Yeah, there's so many skilled injectors or clinicians out there. Oh. There's a lot of people with like the right physical skills yeah. to actually perform yeah. great treatments yeah. and it's so competitive there's every time you turn around there's another injecting clinic there open. There's oh, people yeah. going to uni now there with is. the intention of becoming cosmetic injectors like yep. that's now a career path that it they're is. setting out before they even commence uh, tertiary education mm. but to have that edge it's not just about being a, a, a technically good no. injector it's about yeah. how you make people feel <sighs> you've got it that's the right that is the thing how did I make that person feel? And often I'd say to people, have two objectives when you're meeting a patient. What is my emotional objective and what's my factual one? So when this patient leaves me, what do they need to know about what's just happened today? So what are the things that they need to know? The emotional objective that you need to have as clinicians and injectors and nurses and front office team. How do I want my patient to feel post the interaction? Excited, delighted, captivated, nervous, guilty like what is it that you want a patient to feel and if you can get them feeling that they can't wait to go and tell their friends you're at the dinner party and all of a sudden the dinner party sat down not what did you do this week oh my god I went and saw David or I went and saw Jake and we did this and we did that you've got to go that's what you need you need to create raving fans yeah. and the only way you can create raving fans is through people's feelings because people buy on emotion and they justify with the facts. So if you are not adding that emotional connection and that emotional tie, now some people aren't fluffy, so I'm not saying to you all go around and be fluffy and give the hugs and the winks. An emotional tie might be the results that they're seeing. That might be the feeling is, oh my gosh, I left here last time you told me this was going to happen and it did and I feel great about it. Mm. That emotional connection is the results that you delivered on. It's an emotional response. It's really funny. When I was at medical school, we did have some communication training. Yeah. But it was, it was really basic. But basically, they'd have all of us sitting around watching one of our buddies do a communication exercise. Yeah. And it could be with an angry patient or a, yeah. or a sad patient. And trying to teach someone who isn't that fluffy person yeah. to mirror oh, or, yeah. or, or do that sympathetic hand on the shoulder, yes. it's really awkward to watch. It's really And we would awkward. roll around laughing our balls off because <laughs> it was just so funny. Some people just can't do no, that. No, they can't. And, and so how do those people still, you know, kind of do it in yeah. their own little way? It becomes a practice. And I say this genuinely. You genuinely have to do it. So you genuinely have to care enough that if you want your clinic to be successful – you may have to change and learn new behaviour. 
Now, learning behavior is really tough because in your world, you're like, why would someone want to pat my arm? I don't want my arm patted, but it's not about you. And we've often grown up to be taught to treat others how we want to be treated, but that's not right. Treat others how they want to be treated. Mm. So if I am the nice, fluffy person and I want a hug from everyone, I assume that everyone will want that. But if you don't want that, I shouldn't be treating you like that. So we need to be mindful that I need to learn behavior that every time I meet someone, I can't just hug them. Yeah. <laughs> I have to learn that that's not okay. And my brain, and the worst and the hardest bit about training new behavior is our brain says, Grizz, you need to hug them. They'll feel awful if you don't because I would feel awful if someone didn't want to hug me. But I've got to say to my brain, this particular person doesn't want to hug and that's what makes them feel good. So when you're teaching people that aren't fluffy and don't want to do that, your brain has to be saying to me, for my business to be successful and for me to be genuine, this is learnt behaviour for me and I'm going to learn it and embrace it and that's what's going to make me successful and make my patients walk away thinking they've had the time of their life and the greatest experience ever. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that – end up in careers that they shouldn't be in. Not us though, But I think that, you know, Jake's example of someone who just, you know, struggled with the very most basic of human communication and mm. empathy. Mm. And sometimes I guess you could learn and practice that behavior, but sometimes maybe this isn't the career for you. Absolutely not. Maybe you need to be in a laboratory. Maybe you shouldn't be <laughs> interacting with people. So, so true. and I've always thought that if you do something that you're passionate about, so mm. if you like talking to people, yeah. if you like communicating, yeah. then find a career that allows you to do that. If you're someone that just inherently just, that's not you, 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 you're more of a solitary creature so Then true. maybe trying to become a cosmetic injector really isn't the career for you. Oh my God. You've got, you've said it in one, you know, we think about, we're going to go to uni and open up clinics and make lots of money. There's so much more to open up a clinic than the four walls. It's yeah. the people that you employ. It's having the right people that you employ. It's the people that do care about people that you want in your clinic. It's not the ones that are data-driven. Uh, you know, I always say to people, you can learn skill, but you can't learn attitude. Mm. And it's really tough to learn passion and enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. And my first go-to question, if people are really miserable in their job, I say to them, give me three things that you love about your role. And if they can't give me three things straight away, if I was to ask you guys, what do you love about your role? You should just be able to verbate three great things. And if you can't, <laughs> that we've got a really big problem. Yeah. Because yeah. three things in your role, if you can't say, you know, if someone said to me, what are the great three great things? I get to deal with people every day. I change people's lives. And I'm genuinely the luckiest girl in the world because people want me to want to hang out with them. That's my three great things in my world today. Um, my greatest thing today was hanging out with you boys. You know, yeah. someone no. asked me to do something and God, lucky me. You know, that's cool. Now, if I'm not a person that is happy to be on a podcast and I'm not a person that loves chatting and having to come here today was going to make me feel sick and I was going to resent it, that's not the space to be in because then I'm miserable. And and we talk about the happiness advantage and this is a really good – Sean Anker, Dr. Sean Anker, he talks about the happiness advantage and there's some really good science and data behind being happy. And we've always said that happy uh, success – if I'm successful, I'll be happy. And we need to flip that on its bottom and turn it around on its ass because it's wrong. Happiness makes you successful. Focus on the people and the numbers will come. And we need to start thinking about that from a clinic perspective. If you have a happy clinic, your success will come because people will walk in and feel like it's happy. You know, if you've had a really big fight with um, your partner or your mum and dad have had a fight and you come running down the stairs for dinner, they've stopped fighting, but there's that air of edge that you know something's just happened and there's been a fight. Well, if your clinic doesn't work well, that's how your patients feel when they walk into Mm. it. All of a sudden it's like, 
oh, there's something going on here. The reception team don't like the nurses and the nurses are fighting with the doctors and no one. And you so feel true. it. So if you're feeling that in the clinic, you're not great. Happiness Advantage suggests that you sell more effectively if your brain is in the happiness space by 39%. So if you're unhappy as opposed to negative, neutral or distressed, doctors diagnose 19% more effectively if their brain is in that happiness advantage space. So, I mean, we can come back and do another whole topic on the happiness advantage Happiness will make you successful, not the other way around. So if you're in a job, back to your point, David, which is so right, if you're in a job that makes you miserable, you're never going to be successful because happiness is not going to, if there's no happiness there, you're never going to be successful. Mm. Success does not make you happy. Yeah. And I think our industry has sort of been a little bit plagued by that with people yes. that have sort of um, been in, I guess, uh, different roles, whether it be in medicine or farming, oh, sorry, uh, nursing. Farming. Uh, farming. farming. I was going to say pharmaceutical. We're going to get a milk no, cows when we leave here. <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> Yeah. So people that have moved into cosmetic spaces because yeah. they're fed up with what they're currently doing and they go to cosmetic as a last resort or yes. I hate what I'm doing. I'm going to go and give this a go. And Jake, you'd see this. You probably get lots of injectors hitting you up all the time asking mm. for advice and questions. I mean, do you, yeah. what do you th think about that? Um, I even get old colleagues, even from medical school, um, reaching out saying, look, I've been doing, I don't know, hematology for 15 years and I'm fucking bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so done with blood. Injecting yeah. looks cool. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, And you're like, Okay, you, you see that it's a maybe slightly more glamorous lifestyle and there's a bit of freedom, but mm. what is your motivation to do it? Is it just because you're miserable? Is it because you want to inject? That That's really the, what they're not connecting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. You, you, you want to get out of something that you're not happy in, but also have a right motivation to go to the new thing. That's it. Find a new thing. Like, take the time to go and find out, look at this, what do I love? If I could have the perfect job, design it. And don't look for a job and then try and fit your criteria in it. Have your absolute and then find that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if so you're just... spending most of your life working, why the hell it. would you want to do it hating it, wanting to shoot yourself in the face every morning? I know. Because you don't like what you're doing and you're not passionate about yeah. it. And it makes other people around you miserable as well. And there's, I mean, everyone has off days and we're okay to have the off day. Mm. But, you, I mean, genuinely I wake up every day and I might have been on a 10-day straight back-to-back -back training full-time every single day. I don't jump out of – I don't wake up and roll out of bed and go, oh, my God, this is the worst ever. I jump out and think, lucky me that someone chooses me to be in front of their teams. Yeah. You know, 10 or 11 days of straight presenting or keynoting or flying or travelling on different time zones, I wake up and that is my motto is I am so lucky. Yeah. And that's what gets me out of bed, not, oh, my God, I've got to do this again and roll my eyes because yeah. you just wouldn't cut it. Well, and I made that change, didn't I? I yeah. Sort of yeah. in hospital for 10 and a bit years and, you know, have to hold my hands up and, and put my ego to the side and say it's not working anymore. No. But uh, you were sort of dabbling on this on the side. So it's not like you, it's not like you did cosmetic as a last ditch attempt. Correct. You were like, had you had this sort of on the side going, yeah, I like this. And you're dabbling and you're building up your passion yeah. for it and your yeah. skills. And Well, to be truthful, I, you know, in the UK, I had the opportunity to do that and, yeah. I, and I didn't have the guts to, to right. turn around and, and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be injector full time. I just, you know, it's just too big a leap, yeah, particularly when you're, you know, you haven't moved country yet, which is a big leap in yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of gives you the guts to go, well, I've done that. Yeah. Now now on to phase three of the life change <laughs> plan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what would it look like for you if you were to go like, oh, sorry, what what's your process like? If someone contacts you and says, hey, Grizz, yeah. um, I'd love you to come and talk to my clinic. Um, how does this work? Yeah. Um, and then I guess as well, like for injectors, I mean, mm. if you've got a group of injectors or yes. nurses who say, hey, we'd yeah. love to 
mm. have you come in board and help us? How does your process work? Yeah, so normally what I do is I come and do a mystery shop in the clinic. I oh. ring the clinic first of all. I oh, know. So you're all getting my secrets now. If some crazy lady rings and yeah. wants Please to tell me you your photos going to be printed so up. They all know who you are now. <laughs> your photos going to be printed at reception every oh, clinic. No, <laughs> you have to wear a mask. You have to I come in with a moustache or something. So no recognises you. Wig, change my hair colour. Yeah. Uh, so I would normally, up until now, have done a mystery shop. But the mystery shop isn't just fronting up on the clinic. It's yeah. ringing. Yeah. It's a website inquiry to see how long it yep. takes for them to come back to me. So I do every touch point. I understand that. I look at their website and think, God, is it hard to navigate? Can I find what I'm looking for? What about cost? If I ring to someone, give me cost straight away. And my answer to someone giving cost straight away is often if we can get them again in front of us, then they can feel it and see it. And cost becomes that secondary. You know, quite often if someone's ringing, they've already know a ballpark figure. Do we have to give them an immediate cost? How can we get them to come in? So I do a mystery shop. And then I come back and I say, you know, depending on what the outcome is, if they want better phone communication, if they want better client experience. Uh, so depending on what they're ringing for, I do a bit of a navigate and see. And then I send through some recommendations and we have a chat with the clinic owners and the nurses and say, this is what we can do. And often we get um, the whole selling capability for nurses. Mm. You know, nurses who are delightful, they're in the role because they're caring. Mm. And what they often think about is they hear the word sell and they think I'm an educator and I care about my patients. I don't want to sell them anything. So it's the right language that we instill into our nursing environment that has them, it's not a cell, but it's the right language to ensure that patients are informed. And when we talk to the nursing staff, so we might do a nursing, we might do an all clinic for a team, like as a team, how are we going to better work? How do we hand over a patient? When the injector comes out with the patient, do we just send them out on their way and just say, go and pay at reception or do we walk them out? Do we walk to greet the patient? Do we just send the patient out? I mean, all of that matters. Again, it's every touch point with your patient matters. So every interaction matters. Every website visit matters. So I do a holistic approach and then we delve down and we work out exactly what your clinic need to make you the greatest that you can be. And it might be a really little tweak. You know, it might be something that they can't get access and no one responds to the messages left on the voicemail for three days. Do you find that some of the clinics push back because they're a little bit embarrassed by the, the results of the mystery shop and they're like, oh, hold on, I didn't know you were coming and we would have been better if, if we had known. Do you get yeah, all of that? Uh, they get nervous. So often um, they don't even know I'm there when I'm there. And then when I front up to the training, I say, I've got the result. Or we've designed this because of this. Oh, and they freak out. I think, though, that they already know. I mean, we know what areas we're good in and what areas we're not. We know if we respond to emails within five hours or not. So it's never a surprise. Mm. And I think it's them owning it and going, you know what, we want to be as great as we can be. So bring it on, Grizz. How do we do it? And often it's they just don't know the how or they're time poor. And maybe it's time management they need because they can't respond to emails and deal with clients. Well, they just don't have the technology in place to do it. And they don't have the technology in place or the processes in place. You know, they don't think about things more logically because they've just opened up a clinic. They may not be business owners. They've got these nurses that have come from hospital. So in their world, they often say, thank you. We don't know what to do. So help us. And I mean, always when I miss your shop, I'm never, I don't say you're crap and you're bad. Mm -hmm. I say these were the great things. And I was so impressed at what you did. Now, some of the mystery shopping is really good. So it is those tiny tweaks, but it's the tweaks that give you the competitive advantage. And I say to every nurse injector that I ever meet, you are our competitive advantage in the clinics because we all inject we all know great techniques. We've all been, you know, DeMario, whoever it is teaching us. We've got the latest and greatest techniques. We've got amazing brochures. We've got brilliant access. You are our competitive advantage. So how do we make you unique and great so that patients feel trusted and valued and want to come back to you? Mm. Totally. Now I'm going to spin things on its head. What do you do with those clients who walk in and immediately <laughs> they're grumpy or yeah. they're deliberately... Um, 
aggressive, mm. passive aggressive, whatever. Mm. It, it's awkward. Mm. Of course, like, you know, we can try and be our happy selves, but how do you deal with that? Do you want my really honest opinion? Yes. Do you need those clients? Agreed. But how are you going to deal with that and how are you going to get them out of the room if that is your attitude? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I would say, and I mean, there's lots of different ways in this behaviour space, but often they'll come in and they'll say, I don't like this. Number one, even before I do that, because it's a really good thought that I want to not forget and capture while I've got you. If you have a client comes in and they want bigger lips and you think their lips look silly already, I really want you to have the guts to say, yeah. we're not the right people for you to come to because they're your walking brand. And people look at Instagram and they look at who you're injecting and what you look like. So, you know, we talk about getting rid of some clients and there are some clients that you just need to say no to. And number one reason is you're saying no to them because you don't want to have your brand walking around with unrealistic lips and those crazy people that come in and want it. So no to that. If they're passive aggressive, you obviously try and help me understand what's made you upset. Let me fix, let me rectify, let me do. If they're still not happy after you've done all of that, I would say to them genuinely, we want you to be happy and because we're not making you happy, I want you to go to someone that does make you happy because this is really important to me that you find the person that gels with you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really honest with that. And I will always say to a person, you know, someone wants me to do role plays in a whole day of training. Now, I don't think people best learn from just a day of role plays in a sales capability. There's so many other things we can do that gets the same learning outcome. And I'll say to a client, we're not your best company in this training space because I don't agree with role playing for seven hours of the day yeah. and I'll own that because I want to work with clients that have a philosophy the same way I do and live by the mechanisms that we roll out yeah. and it's the same in your clinic. You don't want patients that are constantly causing you grief because they make the whole team fall down. They're constantly ringing, they're constantly complaining. Send them on their way and let them go to somebody else and it maybe they just don't gel with you and that's okay. I, I totally agree I, but I do love the psychology of it so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll first try and untangle it and work yeah, out why good. they're like that Yeah, and if I still can't you know, reason with them or, yeah. or get to that point, then sure. Exactly. Thank, thank you very much. And See you later. And some people are just complainers, Jake. You know, that is that they get excited by coming in and saying there's something wrong. But why? Or the, what is that? I don't get it. It's just their behaviour makeup. They feel power. So they're the people that want to be in control. So they're driven by control and they feel loss of control. Okay. So the minute they complain and you're trying to pander to their me's, they're like, right. Yeah, I, I, I am right. Yeah. And now Jake is agreeing with me that I'm right, so I must be right. So we're fostering their behaviour effectively as opposed to calling them out on it and saying, this is what we discussed. This is what the outcome was look like. Here's your before photos. Here's your after photos. This is what we said we were going to achieve. Mm. It makes me sad. I would never want you to leave being unhappy. So let's fix where you think you're unhappy. And let's ensure that you are happy. Now, if they come back again, that's when you're just like, you know what? Go and find control somewhere else or go and be miserable. People, Some people are just miserable. But I think it's okay to say to them, this isn't working for you, mm. let alone 100%. me. I always so say that. We want you to be happy. why are you back? What yeah. is it that yes. you want us to do that we already did last time? Yeah. It's not you, it's me. Yeah, I mean, sorry, it's not, it's not me, it's you. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. me, it's you, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a whole dating episode, yeah. dating yeah. three, we'll talk about that on how to date swapping. Yeah. Let's uh, do that. Yeah, but you're 100% right, and I think that's the bit is sometimes, and I say to people all the time in companies, I want you to have the training program that you deserve, and that may not be the way we roll, and I'm really adamant with the way I train, because I genuinely believe it's the best way and we get the best and the results are amazing and the return on investment and all the stuff that we do works. So I don't want to compromise my program and my beliefs. I don't want you to compromise your injecting capabilities by keeping on giving someone something that they want that you know that's not right for them. So don't compromise your brand, don't compromise your image, don't compromise the way you roll and sometimes they need to be happy somewhere else. Yeah. 
I'm going to ask David about this one, and maybe you can oh, jump good. in, Grizz. Or not. I can eat some more cookie. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> sure. Now, it's easy to, if you like, sack a client or a patient mm-hmm. and say, sorry, see you later. But what happens when there's inter-team uh, yeah. clash? Inter-team clash? Please give us what, an example like of fighting te- Team members like yeah. fighting with each other? Yeah. Mm. Gosh, I think, well, the way I approach it generally is to try and get those people to figure it out as best as they can initially. Because as soon as you get involved, you're... It sort of, it sort of makes it seem like one person's dobbing on the other person, and it almost creates more of a riff. Does. Um, so I always try and say, look, you've got an issue with someone, you know, go grab a coffee, have a chat, talk about what it is you're not happy about, and try and just put some boundaries in place and get people to understand how you like them to communicate and treat you, um, and move forward. I will get involved if I have to, if that's mm-hmm. not resolvable. But I found jumping in prematurely makes the problem worse and it doesn't help people learn how to deal with conflict but that's just the way i approach it just from trial and error oh my gosh that's the right way okay i want high five you okay yeah woo-hoo. you you, high five you. that's you exactly go. what you should do yeah. you don't want to elevate and often we find in companies and we get the company lawyers brought in and it's crazy when we're trying to sort out teams lawyers and the first thing they say and there was i was at a lawyer talk two weeks ago with a company that was having all this problem and lawyers said just try and sort it out amongst yourselves because it gets into bullying and it gets into, you know, all this other stuff when if we just stopped it at the beginning. So it's having that open culture. So you're creating a culture as leaders and clinic owners, create a culture that is open and honest, create a culture that sets expectations. So a really good one, I say to majors all the time, how often do you sit down with your team and set expectations? These are my expectations of you as my team. What are your expectations of me as your leader? or your clinic owner. And once those expectations are in place, it's I want open communication. If there's someone upset with someone or someone said something, talk to each other about that. That's my expectation. Don't go running and gossiping and get rid of the gossiping culture because that's where everything stems from. So yeah. you know, zero, all, zero bitch policy. Zero bitch policy. And yeah. in our industry, what's it like? <laughs> yeah. There is a whole lot of it rife. because of the whole, it is rife. So we need to just stamp that out and give them techniques on how to communicate. So a really good one is what we call situation behavior impact. So when the two girls that you've suggested uh, go and have coffee, David, teach them this, which is, so the situation was we were at the desk the other day and you were emailing to one of the nurses about me. That was the situation. So the situation was we were at the desk the other day. The B stands for behaviour. Your behaviour was you were emailing Nurse Betty about me and the impact that had on me is I felt really sad because the email you wrote wasn't overly nice about me. So situation, if you just say you made me feel sad, the person who's having the coffee is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've moved on two seconds after. So giving someone what the situation was, what their behaviour was in that situation and how it impacted you makes people really definitive at that moment in time. So instead of saying, oh, you always say this or you always do that, that's not irrelevant. Mm. doesn't help someone change their behaviour. There's no context. There's no context. The situation is this, the behaviour is that, and the impact was this on me. And then someone goes, I had no idea. Mm. I was just saying that you hadn't cancelled that appointment when you should have. Okay, so in future if I hadn't cancelled it, let me know and we'll talk about it and I'll work on that. Mm. I'm really sorry. Please don't go and email Nurse Betty about why the appointment turned up when it hadn't been cancelled mm. so I'd just be really honoured your, your message was perfect said it it's amazing awesome. how many so, so many of those small little uh, examples that you just gave mm. don't get acted on they build up and oh, snowball and a year later there's well, like some you're in court in four. employment law yeah. Yeah. yeah well my business partner in Canberra Cassandra you may or may yes. not have met yeah. her no. amazing shout mm. out to Cassandra we love you hi shout out yeah <laughs> come, and have, come and have cookies with us next week Cassandra yeah. um I learned from her um, 
when she's talking to staff, she always says, come to me when it's like 10%, 20%. Don't come to me when it's 100 or 90% because I can't yeah. help you then. You're That's like it. beyond the point of help because That's you're so angry. The situation yeah. has escalated to such a point. Yeah. Come to me when it's less so of an issue. True. Just start at the beginning. And that's the problem. All these issues get out of control with everything, be it with marriage, with boyfriends, with relationships, with work life, is because we let them build up and build up. Imagine if when someone said something just there and then you said that made me feel really uncomfortable or I didn't like the way you said that or I don't understand why you're treating me. Yesterday you did this and I went home last night and I was really sad about it. Help me understand. Now, if that happened then, we would alleviate so many bigger problems, mm. but we fester them and then 10 weeks later, all of a sudden you give 10 things that someone did yeah. uh, and that's a behaviour style as well. But if we can nip it in the bud and create a culture in your clinics mm. of yeah. this open culture, one team, one dream, let's all celebrate together. When we're having crappy days, shout it out to each other so that we can get on with it and move on and you will not be dealing with lawsuits and bullying behaviour and all the other stuff that yeah. goes on. It's like setting boundaries, right? That's, that's absolutely. All, Awkward for a second, and then and then it's fine. It is, yeah. and if you even say to that person, "This is a, I'm I'm finding it really hard to have this conversation, but I'm doing it because I want us to be back to normal." Yeah. So I'm struggling having this conversation, but I want to do it because I don't want this to impact our working relationship, our friendship, our love life, whatever it is. People straight away go, "Oh, you're not just saying it willy nilly. You genuinely have thought about it, and you're trying to fix it." Mm. This is a great time to say, David, I'm only ninety percent happy with how we're doing this podcast. <laughs> There's 10% You know what? The last 48 on. minutes we can't fix now. Jake, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> uh, Jake, he's a hard man to please. High standards. Yeah. I you love that. What's the other 10%? No, How can we no, make the other 10%? Well, no wonder Hash always looks so stressed all the time. She's just, just, <laughs> My wife. Yeah, <laughs> just like, how do I make she, this guy happy? She's super Hash, laid back. you come and hang out with me. She's oh, actually the most laid back person. Yeah. I'm the I'm the stress part, if anything. <laughs> That's why it works. Exactly. Well, it was, it works. I was saying to you before when we were yeah. having coffee that David and I like the yin and the yang. I'm, you know, type A personality and he's the type B, very laid back and yeah. chilled. And like, he's still in his pajamas five minutes before you're here. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? We need to get ready. And I'm running around trying to put the mics out. And that's just how we are. But it works. It works. And look, we got here on time. Yeah, we got it. Everything was set up and we're all dressed. Yes. Next time we are having a pyjama party, podcast number four. Yeah, yeah, having tea and pillow, cookies. Yeah, yeah, pillow fight. That'd be fun. pillow fight. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, I think that's uh, a great time to <laughs> end. Look, we could just go on and on. I reckon we could. We can do a leadership one. We oh, can do, do a... Everything. Yeah, we'll have to get you back. God knows for one. Sure. Tinder Oh my gosh, can I really come back? Yeah. yeah so you made my day. That you are now communications expert. Oh, God, love it. So we'll roll you in every quarter and yeah, give us an update. roll me in, in my pyjamas, have some cereal, roll me out again. <laughs> love the way we roll, boys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and I've had the time of my life. Oh, thank Yay. you. Just remind us of your contact details. <gasps> yeah, so front and centre training solutions, www.frontandcentre.com.au and if you are listening and you mention IA... We're going to give you 10% off anything. We're going to give you some team building. We'll give you some behavior communication. There's really good um, tips and strategies on that. It's a whole lot of fun. And you get to hang out with me some more because I haven't spoken enough. So mention IA and we'll do a really good deal for you at least 10%. That is awesome. Thank you for being so generous. Pleasure. Always mine. Um, oh, so did we, we got social. We spoke social media. Oh, social media. So front and center learning on Instagram as yep. well. Uh, and, and your personal. Yeah. And, and we're going to do a TikTok. Are we going to do a we TikTok? We are going to do a TikTok. Okay. Stay tuned oh, for the TikTok. I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> this will be on our story on Instagram, guys. <laughs> Yes, it will be. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks Take for care. having me. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests. 